So at this point, I had made it about three miles away from my apartment. And I just remember I was going under this one bridge and I see this man from far away on a bicycle wearing all black with a red hat and a red scarf. And I just thought this is very strange. It's a very hot day. Why is this man in all black in a red scarf? I almost felt like it was very, I don't know. I just had a very bad gut feeling kick in. And I feel like it was the Holy Spirit telling me like, you know, be be wary, be careful. And I stirred up the courage and I was like, okay, I'm gonna start these three miles back. I'm gonna walk back to my apartment. And then as I decide to walk back, I walk back one minute and the guy in the cyclist this time is full on chasing me. And he starts screaming after me. And I just remember, I immediately turn around and I start sprinting to the next intersection. In this moment, I remember running to God and I'm being like, wow, like, God, like, how did I even end up here? I was remember thinking, I was like, maybe like this dream that I was chasing, I was like, I don't even know if this is so obsessed with exercise. I had really put myself in an unsafe situation, being so far away from my apartment, a young girl alone, like three miles in a trail. And I also had barely eaten anything that day. And I was just like, wow, God, I don't know what I'm doing. Has Jesus transformed your life? If he has, then I want to share your story. My name is Kelly, and I'm a new Christian who has been through a full heart change recently since I truly accepted the gospel. A huge part of my faith transformation was hearing others' testimonies. Now here I am, ready to share yours and keep the good news spreading. On this podcast, I will read your submitted stories and have you on to share them yourself. My goal is to give back in hopes it helps others grow in their faith. Welcome to Tell Me Your Testimony. So the next two episodes, I'm going to have a part one and a part two. And this testimony is from Laura. She grew up in a Christ-centered home. Her mom was a missionary from Indonesia. She had at a young age a heart for California and the lifestyle it portrayed. After relentlessly pursuing a modeling career, she encountered a dangerous situation, bringing her closer to God and actually reaching out for him. But it took her a while to fully give up her dream and have one foot out of the world and all the way with Christ. She had such a hard time letting go of this career, but things happened to her that really made it clear that she was doing the wrong thing and that God didn't want her to go down this path. A note about this episode is that it contains adult themes such as eating disorders and stalking situations. Please be advised this podcast is for adult audiences only. Thank you so much to Laura for coming on. Now on to the episode. My name is Laura and my testimony is a story how God had brought me out of a really dark place when I was in the modeling industry struggling with an eating disorder and I was also living 2,500 miles away from my family and God had just continued to pursue me time after time until I eventually decided to let go of the path that I was choosing and really follow his call for my life. A little bit of background about me. I always had a relationship with God. I am originally, I was born in Finland and my mother is Indonesian and so we moved 
to the U.S. when I was eight years old. Growing up, my mother was an evangelist from Indonesia, so I always had a really strong example of what it was like to be a Christian, and she was a very good figure for me, and so I always did have a relationship with God, but as you grow up sometimes, especially going through high school, it's very common to tend to forget about him, and so I became what you would call a lukewarm Christian growing up. So we moved to the States when I was eight years old. When we first moved to America, this comes into tie with my testimony later, but every non-American, when they think of America, they think of LA, California, New York, Miami, all those big cities. So ever since I was a little girl, whenever I thought of America, I always thought of California. And I always had this dream planted in my heart that I had wanted to move out to California. And so my family, we moved to North Carolina, which is completely different than California. And so ever since I was eight years old, I was always like, okay, this is nice. North Carolina's nice, but I'm eventually going to move out to California. It was just always a dream I had in my heart. I already had that seed planted in me when I was young. And then when I was about 13, 14 years old, I had hit a growth spurt. And so I became pretty tall, pretty lean. I hadn't really hit puberty yet. And so I, at this time, started to get a lot of attention in the modeling world. I had a lot of people come up to me and they would always say, you should model, you're so tall. And at the time I did consider it and I was like, okay, very cool, potentially yes, but I was also living in North Carolina, and in North Carolina, there's not much many modeling agencies, so I had done my research at the time. I was in eighth grade about to start high school, and I looked for agencies near me, but there were none good, big, reputable agencies, so I ended up putting that dream on hold as well. Then I went through high school. I went to a Christian high school, and I kind of forgot about the dream to model, but I still had this dream to move to California, and so when I was in high school, I also ended up playing soccer. So I ended up building a lot of muscle. So that dream had kind of died. And I focused on getting into a really good university in California. And so flash forward to my senior year of high school, I had graduated and I'd gotten into a private university in Southern California. And I was still living in North Carolina at the time. So then when COVID hit and my soccer season was canceled, I decided, well, you know what? I don't have to be super athletic. I don't have to retain all this muscle. I'm going to lose some weight. I'm going to go to California for school. I want to look good. And so this was when I started to kind of head down like a slippery slope of becoming obsessive with calorie counting and my weight. So this was in about May of 2020. That summer, like I had said, I had gotten into a private university and the original goal was to go to a, this college. I was going to move on campus, but because of Corona, that college wasn't sure if they were going to reopen. So I instead decided that I was going to go to a community college and I had a friend already living out in California and we we're going to rent an apartment. I had graduated and after that in about August when I was 17 years old, I then moved across the country and I moved into my own apartment with my friend. And while there are a lot of good benefits to this decision of going to community college, such as like financial, saving money and everything, because of the pandemic as well, it gave me a way to move to California because my original campus this was shut down. So I was able to like fulfill that dream. The negative side of it is that there's a lot of isolation in this time. So I was 17. I had just moved to an apartment by myself. I was in a whole new town in Orange County, California, and I didn't have a lot of social interaction. It became a very lonely environment very quickly. And this whole like fantasy that I had of, had of California when I was young, I was going to move to the beach, make a lot of friends, have like this big traditional college experience like quickly proved to be kind of the exact opposite 
opposite. And so at this time, I had just moved to this new city. I didn't have any friends. And also the lockdown, California had very strict, strict laws with the pandemic. I couldn't even get a job when like this, with this isolation, like that is also the perfect opportunity for something like an eating disorder to like manifest. Because when you're all alone, you don't have any parental guidance. You don't have any like social settings is this is like when I had found myself becoming obsessive with this one, one ideal to, okay, well, you know what, potentially I can start modeling again. And if I do end up losing more and more weight then this is the solution like this will be my key to happiness because right now I don't have anything else like I'm not in university I don't have any friends like I every I don't have a job so this was my plan I was like continue to lose weight because in the modeling industry there's a certain threshold that you have to meet it's called a 34 24 34 so there's 34 inch plus you have to have a 24 inch waist and 34 inch hip and that's like standard for most modeling agencies and you also have to be minimum of 5'8 and that's if you want to work runway now of course there's like other contracts you can possibly get but for the standard there's like a very strict size that you have to fit and so at the time like I had already lost 15 pounds ever since I had started calorie counting in May when the coronavirus hit but I was not yet near the threshold for most modeling contracts so at this time I was like okay you know what I'm gonna hit that threshold and once I reach this status I will then become happy and that was I became an idol and so that was when I really like fully fledged into this and I found it as an escape and I like instead of seeking God as my refuge I kind of forgot about him and I was like okay this is my refuge everything's gonna be okay once I get a contract at this time I would still pray to God but I also didn't have a church because I was in a whole new city I tried out different churches none of them stuck and so I didn't also have many accountability to seek God like other than myself because I was fully on my own at this time I didn't have a church the story of how I had even gotten to find a church was a little intense but it was God had really met me at one of my lowest points so at this time it was October and I had been living in this new city in this apartment on my own for about two months and there was a trail next to my apartment that I would walk on every day and I would walk about like five to six miles every day because at this time I also was very obsessed with exercise very obsessed with reaching this modeling standard I would walk this trail every day I was it was like it became my ritual like it was like my daily habit and so there's nothing out of the blue but on this one day in October I just finished up an exam online because I was doing my community college classes from online and I decided after I was like okay I didn't have time for a walk today I'm gonna go right now so I used to always go on this trail at about every morning and that's when the trail was always full with people and a lot of people were there I decided to go on a 2 p.m I remember on a Monday and there was nobody on this trail and the way that this trail was set up there was like a lot of bridges a lot of underpasses so it was very secluded and definitely not probably recommended for a young girl to be out on her own but I didn't really think anything of it because I'd gone on this trail every day this one day on the trail I remember is very hot it was about 80 degrees, very sunny California, Southern weather. Uh, it was a very beautiful day, but I also remember nobody was on the trail this day and I didn't really think anything of it. I was like, nice. I get the trail to myself, no cyclists to yield to. I was like, this is a nice, a nice walk. So at this point I had made it about three miles away from my apartment. And I just remember I was going under this one bridge and I see this man from far away on a bicycle wearing all black with a red hat and a red scarf. And I just thought, this is very strange. It's a very hot day. Why is this man in all black in a red scarf? I almost felt like it was very, I don't know. I just had a very bad gut feeling kick in. And I feel like it was the Holy Spirit telling me like, 
you know, be, be wary, be careful. And I remember like in that moment, I was just like, oh God, like I, there's no other way than under this bridge. There's no way to avoid him. Like I have to pass him with the way that I was heading. So I just remember praying to God because at the time, like I was still close to God. I still had prayed to him. Definitely went to God only when it benefited me. So at this time when I was like, okay, God, I need you. I was like, okay, I'm going to pray to him. And thank God he did hear my prayers. But as I was passing by him, I was like, okay, God, just please protect me. This man's giving me very bad anxiety. And as I passed by him, I just remember this guy on the bicycle. He decided to stop right in front of me and he decided to try to talk to me. And I just ignored him and I kept past him and I was like okay weird and I didn't think much of it and then I remember after I started getting horrible anxiety and I was like okay this man's freaking me out he looks like he's far gone by now I ignored him I didn't even catch what he was saying I walked straight past by him the way that the trail was set up I was like okay I want to get back to my apartment there's no one else here this guy just freaked me out I want to go back home but I had to turn around back in his direction to get to my apartment. And I was also three miles away. So I was like, okay, I have a three mile walk back to my apartment. But I was just like very nervous to turn around because I was nervous. I was like, okay, well, what if he's still there? What if from the distance I have to pass by him again? I remember like standing where I was at the next overhead, like at the next bridge. And I was just standing there for 30 minutes. I was like so scared. I was like, I don't want to walk back in that direction. That guy had gone back there. And I know like he had only tried to talk to me. Like you can say like, there was no reason for me to fear, but I I just had an intense paranoia and I definitely feel like it was the Holy Spirit telling me not to walk back that way and so I didn't know what to do so for 30 minutes I just remember standing at this bridge and I was just like I don't want to turn back that way but that's the only way I can go home and my roommate was asleep and I was like I'm not gonna call her I was like don't be silly I'm just gonna give us some more time till I make sure he's gone and then I'll walk back to my apartment I finally mustered up the courage and I was like okay I'm gonna start these three miles back I'm gonna walk back to my apartment and then as I decide to walk back I walk back one minute and the guy in the cyclist this time is full-on chasing me and he starts screaming after me and I just remember I immediately turn around and I start sprinting to the next intersection in this moment I remember running to God and I'm being like wow like God, like, how did I even end up here? I was remember thinking, I was like, maybe like this dream that I was chasing, I was like, I don't even know if this is so obsessed with exercise. I had really put myself in an unsafe situation being so far away from my apartment, a young girl alone, like three miles in a trail. And I also had barely eaten anything that day. And I was just like, wow, God, I don't know what I'm doing. And I remember like telling God in the moment, I was like, God, like, please save me. And I like, I, I told God, I like, I promise you, I'll forget all about it. I'll forget about this dream. And I was just like, God, please just save me right now bring me to refuge and I remember praying that prayer and I was running from that guy to the nearest intersection it took me a couple minutes to get there and also this guy was on a bicycle and I don't know how I outran him but thank god I did and I make it to this intersection and at this moment I start flagging down cars because I see he's still following me screaming after me I start flagging down cars and I see that there's this neighborhood by one of the intersections in one of the streets and I run to that neighborhood and there's this girl pulling out of the neighborhood and her windows down and I'm like crying after and I'm like hey please help me this guy on the trail is following me and she's like no worries get in my car so I get in this random girl's car which B is another dangerous decision to do getting into a stranger's car but at this point I felt like I had no choice and I was already in a dangerous position so I was like okay what harm can this girl do compared to this guy I get in this girl's car keep in mind like also at this time I was two months in this apartment I didn't know anyone I had no friends she was literally the first person I'd ever met and this girl had ended up becoming my spiritual mentor and like getting me connected to a church it was a complete godsend that I had met her but I get in her car and I explain oh I was just on this trail I go on this trail every day and this guy in the cyclist had stopped to try to talk to me 30 minutes later he's chasing me and I was just like sorry I didn't know what to do thank you for letting me get in your car and she
and she was like of course like no words and before we know it she's like, do you go to school around here we're talking this girl was a couple of years older than me we hit it off and we had spent like three hours in her car and she pulled over and this girl was like I call her my guardian angel she like had definitely saved me that and God had sent her we didn't talk about religion or anything she was just like hey, I don't know if this is weird but I feel like God's like wanting me to invite you to church with me this Sunday I don't really ask strangers to go to church with me but she was just I don't know like the offers there and I was like of course like I've been wanting to find a church anyways I have felt disconnected from God so I was like I will I was like of course give me your phone number and I was let's go to church together and so that moment in about October is when I started to get reconnected to God and that's when I started to consider if whether the stream I was chasing was really was really worthwhile. A couple of days after that trail incident, my mom had decided to fly out from North Carolina to come see me. And I had explained to her like, yeah, I take this trail every day. I haven't taken it since because of what happened with that man. And she had gotten me signed up to a gym, which was good because I could continue to work out, but in a safer environment. At this time, I remember I kind of had made that promise to him that I would give up my idol but I was still a little stubborn and I didn't do that <laughs> and so I kept on pursuing the stream of modeling and I was now at a gym and I had even gotten signed up with a trainer so I could reach these measurements and so I just kept on going to church I kept on listening to his word but I kept on ignoring these convictions that I shouldn't be chasing after this this isn't God's plan for me that I wouldn't find happiness in that but I just kept on ignoring that those convictions and I just kept on chasing after this dream and chasing after these measurements so that happened in November when I in about October I believe it was October actually when I had met that girl gotten plugged into church reconnected my relationship with Jesus rekindled that and then about a couple months passed and in February at this point I had since lost 30 pounds and this was when I started reaching out to agencies I felt like I was ready to step foot in the modeling industry that was when I entered the whole modeling world was in February and so I just kept on having like this idea that like okay at this point, I was talking to different agencies trying to score a contract. I had met with DT Model Management and they managed Paris Hilton. It was a very big agency. And I felt like this is good. I'm successful, right? Like I'm getting all these offers and I'm getting all this attention now, even when I was at my sickest and my like loneliest point and my most unhappiest point, even though I would admit, admit it, I thought like I'm going to reach the status. And once I get this contract, I'm going to make friends. I'm going to get male attention. I was like, I'm going to find happiness. I'm going to find belonging. And even though I knew in the back of my head that came from Jesus, I still wanted to ignore that because this was more glamorous. Like I was still living for the world and I was living for Jesus. Even though like I had gotten reconnected to a church, like my heart still wasn't ready to give up my life for Jesus. But like, I need this first. And so in February, that's when I started getting the most attention. It had been about a year since the pandemic had hit. And about a year ago is when I had started this whole fitness quote unquote journey to lose weight, right? To model. And so, you know, like I had mentioned, like I, I just had completely lost myself, but I like really genuinely believed I was, well, God must be happy for me because by the world, I'm now successful. I'm fitting the world standards. So I believed that God was okay with what I was doing, even though, you know, your body is a temple. And even though I was using it, like, even though I was not nourishing it properly, like over exercising, like placing so much worth into how I look, finding my worth in a scale, like the number on the scale or measurements, like obviously it wasn't, it wasn't what God wanted, but I was living for the world and for, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and the world. And so at this point, I started getting deep 
deeper and deeper into the modeling industry because now I had finally reached these measurements, you know, and so I was getting offers. So in about February, I'm emailing with a lot of different agencies in LA, West Hollywood. I thought, wow, like my dreams are coming true. Like, you know, this is everything I've wanted. And about that next month in March, I unexpectedly had to move back home to North Carolina. And so that derailed any plans of getting signed to an agency. So my roommate, you know, with Corona, she was like, this sucks. Our college campus is closed. She was like, I just want to move back home and be with my family. And I was like, okay, I get it. With her moving home and I also had to move home. I did an unexpected move back. I had like a week's notice and I was like crushed at this point. I was, I'm not, I can't get signed to an agency. I'm moving back home. I was like, okay, I got to figure out another plan to move back to California ASAP so I can move back to live in LA, do the whole modeling thing. And it was definitely a blessing in disguise because if I would have stayed there, I would have probably signed to a big agency in LA and I would have gotten so much more thrown into this world. It was a blessing in disguise looking back at it. So in March, I moved back home and I am still emailing with these agencies. I'm like, okay, maybe I can get an agency in North Carolina. Maybe I can get another agency here and they can reroute me back to LA. And at this time I was still doing school, but I will say this had just taken up so much of my time. It became a big distraction from school. It just really started like taking over my life. When I had moved home, I had reconnected with an old friend from high school and she had also just gotten signed to an agency in LA. And she was like, okay, we can move together after the summer. And so that was my plan. I was going to move to West Hollywood that fall. And I was just going to try to get skinnier and skinnier and even more skinnier so that way I could feel, be more attractive to the agencies because the modeling agencies, they really do want very thin girls. Not to say that like the modeling industry is a completely bad place because I do believe like God can work with people anywhere in any sort of industry in any sort of job. But like, I just knew for me that looking back at it, like that wasn't what God had planned for me because for me to be in the modeling industry, I had to sacrifice so much. I had to sacrifice my body. I had to sacrifice so much time and everything. In about May, two months later, I ended up getting signed to an international agency. I was still at home and I got signed to one based in Virginia. So they were stayed over. I was like, okay, I finally have an agency. They'll get me an agency in California. I can end up moving back to LA in the fall. This was, I remember I was looking on Instagram and I was just trying to find different agencies near me that could work with me in North Carolina because North Carolina is not a big city for modeling. Like I was saying, that's how like when I was 13 and 14 considering the prospect of modeling and how I said it didn't work out because I didn't there was no no big agencies near me I had tried to find agencies maybe in the state over or maybe um, agencies that worked remotely with models so that way I could still model back home I had found this agency and they were an international mother agency and so how mother agencies work is they pretty much manage your career and then they will get you signed in a bigger city and so they work as like the middleman between you and agencies in different cities and I remember I'd signed with this mother agency and I had a call with them and they're just like yeah you want to move back to LA we can get that sorted for you since they primarily worked internationally they were just like but we can get you three months contracts first in countries like Turkey and Mexico and so that was my plan so I'd signed with this agency and now this whole dream was taking me even further away I had already left my family momentarily to go to California and now I had plans with this new agency but they're like first we want to work you internationally in countries like Asia then they had planned you know after the summer we can get you first set up in Istanbul Turkey so at this time with this agency my plan was first to move to Turkey in the fall and the reason why they even chose Turkey was kind of a funny story but with all the weight that I had lost for modeling I was still considered a curvier model because I had a 37 inch hip and not a 35 inch hip it was funny because it was just like okay like it limited my options and they were like well before we 
send you out to California, you need to get a 34 inch hip. But in the meantime, we can work you in Asian countries because their standards are not as harsh as LA standards. So that was my plan. And I was like, okay. And at this time, I didn't care because I was chasing the stream. I was like, I didn't care if it's somebody to Turkey. I didn't care if it's somebody to Mexico or India. Like even maybe if that's not what God wanted or what I wanted, I was just like, I would do anything for it. I was like, I don't care. I was like, yeah, send me to Turkey. I was like, whatever. I, I really like, I really, you know, lost myself. And I was like, I don't care like anything for this industry, anything to make it, you know? And so, so there were two components to this contract that was not that good for me. A was the potential of being moved to a completely new country in a few months. And B with this agency, I had to send my measurements every two weeks. I had to send, you know, like your chest, your waist, your hips. And that's very normal for a model to do. But like for me, for someone who struggled, whose body type naturally is very athletic, like I played sports growing up, to keep those measurements is very hard. And so, um, you know, now that I had an agency pounding me every two weeks, like measurements, 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 that's when like, you know, I would say I struggled more so with the eating because it was like, wow, I don't even want to go out to eat with my friends this weekend because I know on Sunday night, I'm gonna have to send my measurements and I don't want to be bloated. That's when really this contract has started to infiltrate my life even more and really started to like control everything about me. And, you know, God should have control over your life, but I completely let something else have control over everything. And, you know, with this contract, it was like, I found myself, I was like lying to my parents. Yeah, I had to eat or like lying to my friends, like canceling last minute. That's how I knew in the moment, in the moment I ignored any convictions because I was so desperate for this idea, for this status now that I'm a model, like so like self-absorbed into this whole industry that like I ignored my convictions, but like looking back at it, it's just crazy because like that's how you know you're straying away from God's purpose and plan when you have to lie to people, when you have anxiety and when you have so much stress in your daily life over like what you should eat. And like it says, you know, in the Bible to not stress about these things, like what you will wear, what you will eat. There's a verse, Matthew 6, 25 through 27 says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes. You know, at the time I completely thought the opposite. I was like, no, for me, this is what's important to me. And, you know, it's just like looking back, it's just, that's how you know that if you looking back, like I just have so much confirmation that that was not God's purpose for my life now having left, because I know that like, if it's from God, it should not be giving you that anxiety. You shouldn't have to lie. You shouldn't have to mistreat yourself. So that's why now I know I had ended up making the good decision decision of leaving the industry which which I will get into the story of how I ended up leaving but okay this is the end of part one next week I will have the second part of Laura's testimony so if you haven't already subscribed to this podcast you can go ahead and do that from your podcast browser and if you're listening from apple podcasts if you could take a moment to rate and review That would really help this podcast get out to more people. Thank you again for listening and thanks again to Laura for sharing. I will be back next week. With this podcast, I also want to make sure that everyone listening hears the gospel. So if you're listening and you've heard the gospel, but you're not really sure what it means, you've grown up in church and you've heard it preached, but the words kind of just go in one ear and out the other, and you haven't really experienced a true change or have a heart for Jesus. So I want to give you a summary of what the gospel is. The gospel means good news. And 
Yeah, it is definitely good news, and here's why. God created man in his image. He made us to worship and to be in full relationship with him. Everything he created was good. And then man sinned by disobeying God's command when Eve ate that fruit in Eden. Basically, they thought that they knew best and that they could figure out the rules for themselves and they could take it from here. If you have small children, do you notice how they disobey at such a young age? No one teaches them that. This rebellion is a part of that fall from Adam and Eve and it's basically a curse. And God created us to have free will, so unfortunately, this is what they chose. Because God is so glorious, perfect and just. He cannot have a full relationship with a sinner as he intended. Romans 6:23 says, "For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord." So, hang on to this for a minute. I'm going to take you through why the Bible is so important and why it's the living word of God. Throughout the Old Testament, you will find that man is constantly sinning. God gave them rules and the 10 commandments to live by. One of the ways they atoned for sins was to sacrifice a spotless lamb, but of course they would sin again and have to do this over and over again. God made sure that his commandments and rules would be followed by the Jewish people over time, and he preserved his words in the Jewish Torah over thousands of years. A few hundred years before Christ came, he let the prophets of the Old Testament know what he was going to do about the sin problem. They stated that God would send his son to save the world, and this was also preserved through time. Now, when Jesus came, there were many Jewish people that did not like what he was teaching. The religious leaders of this time, they did not have a heart for what he was trying to do. A lot of the people misinterpreted the prophet's message that the Messiah would free the Jewish people from oppression and specifically at that time the Roman Empire that was ruling over them. But that was not God's plan. His plan was for Jew and non-Jewish people, also known as Gentiles, to be saved and to be a part of his kingdom. When Jesus was crucified, his last words before dismissing his spirit were, it is finished, meaning that he was fulfilling the prophecy that he would die. He would be the perfect lamb of God, the perfect sacrifice to take on God's wrath for sin for everyone that believes in him. He was fully God and fully man. He was always there throughout time. Basically, he took the punishment that we all deserve. Now, we have all sinned. Every single one of us. Nobody is perfect. Even as young children, we lie, we dishonor our parents, and that is still a sin in God's eyes. No one is exempt here. God took it upon himself to solve that problem, to let us be in a full relationship with him. And when we are in a full relationship with him, the gifts that he gives with that are so amazing. One of the things that Jesus said before he descended into heaven was that I am going to send a friend to you as promised. That friend is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a third person in the Trinity. He is there to remind us that we are never alone. He dwells within us. He guides us. He protects us. He gives us peace when we dwell with him. And if you look up the fruit of the Spirit, that will help you understand what he does. Most of the world has heard John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And that's kind of it in a nutshell. We're all sinners. God solved that problem by sending Jesus, and he requires us to trust and believe that he is the Messiah and to make it known to others and to walk with him for the rest of our days. And I promise he will never fail you. We also must turn from our sin, or in other words, repent. We walk differently than how we were before knowing Christ, and these testimonies should show how amazing and freeing 
his grace is. One of the most beautiful things that I'm learning is that God's promise for full redemption of all creation. He promises that all believers will live with him as first intended in Eden. He will wipe away all sin forever, no more tears, a new heaven and a new earth forever. And you can find this in Revelation 21. I hope this helps make sense of what the gospel is. I encourage you to read the New Testament, maybe use the Bible app if you don't have a physical Bible, but there are tons of resources there to help you understand. Please get in the Word. There are a lot of Christians out there that are self-proclaiming that they have not read the Bible. I was one of them. I never touched it. I didn't get it. Now I cannot get enough of it. Another thing that is so important to realize is that you cannot gain salvation by doing good works. We cannot earn our way to heaven. The reasons why Christians do good things is because we are saved, not to be saved. So if you're stuck in that thought that you have to constantly redeem yourself, Jesus died for that. He is the one that did it. So because you're saved, you want to do good things, not the other way around. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, it is by grace that you've been saved through faith, not by works, lest any man should boast. Jesus also simplified things for us. Because there were so many rules, actually over 600 rules in the Jewish Torah, he simplified it with this. All of the commands are so simple. Love your Lord your God. Love other people as you do yourself. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope this encouraged you to get in your Bible. If you have not read it in a while, reach out to a church maybe and get plugged in. It is so important to walk with others in this journey. We are not meant to be alone in our walk with Christ. I also want to leave you on this note. When you're reading the Bible, think of this. The entire Bible from start to finish is about Jesus. Read it with that perspective and I promise it will change your life. Psalms 105.1 says, Give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done. I hope that these stories resonated with you. There is such a beautiful power in what Jesus can do in our lives. If you would like to share your testimony, you can email me at tellyourtestimonypod at gmail.com or you can find me on Instagram at tell me your testimony pod and reach out there. If you enjoyed today's podcast, all I ask is that you consider leaving a review as it helps the show get recommended to more people. And of course, I appreciate you sharing it with your friends as well. Thank you so much for being here and I'll be back to share more testimonies next week. God bless.